All right, take your Bibles if you would. And uh, by the way, be praying. Andrew uh, will be preaching, Lord willing, Sunday night. And then Leland will be preaching uh, next Thursday night. And also filling in for Andrew the following Sunday. So uh, just uh, keep in prayer as we're uh, stretching ourselves a little bit. The book of Ephesians, it's been a couple of weeks uh, since we've been here, and of course with the uh, holidays, we had our Christmas Eve service and New Year's Eve service. And so uh, <clears throat> we're not going to take a great deal of time to fill in, but starting chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord." Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And so, again, uh, as we've alluded so many times, Paul uh, rarely even stops for more than just a little gasp of air as he is going on in this book uh, of Ephesians here. Uh, he says, Be ye therefore, and of course we know therefore is connecting to all of the things previously said in the book. But the primary connection is the immediate context. And so we would go back to verse 25. It says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak the truth in every uh, speak the truth, every man, speak every man truth with his neighbor, sorry, for we are members one of another and we come on uh, down here and uh, it gives us a whole list of things in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then it tells us, that we need to be renewed in the mind. We need to put on the new man. Uh, 
We need to not give place to the devil. He gives us a whole list of things here. And if we will allow these things that Paul has given command to be active in our lives, these will make us automatically followers of God as dear children. Now, we spent a good deal of time over the months of the last year mentioning this phrase and trying to bring it into a daily context. But the simple truth here is that God wants us to follow him as his children, as dear children. You know what makes the difference between dear children and undear children? Is dear children listen. They they follow willingly. Uh, When when, uh, we've alluded to the teacher's pet, there's a reason why teachers have pets is they have a room full of students who don't want to be there. And when one all of a sudden says, I love you, teacher, and I want to be here, uh, it's going to be very difficult for that person not to show some favoritism uh, toward that one out of many who don't want to be there. And, And God says, I don't show favoritism to anybody. But here's how we benefit is when we are that willingly obedient child, when we're not the one fussing and crying and throwing the temper tantrum, when we're the one that's doing what is right, we are the ones that benefit, not God. Amen? It tells us to be be ye therefore followers of God as... Dear children, now this is still a command. This is something that you understood. Be ye, uh, actually not you understood, it's there. Be you, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And we got a connection here. Walk in love. Now boy, that's just a wonderful uh, thought there. To walk in love. And uh, that is a word that we use a lot today, but very seldom is it used in proper context. Uh, I saw an ad somewhere. It says, to be a true American, you have to love everybody. Uh, To make that statement, uh, that means that you love your enemies. And uh, that, that doesn't make sense. Only only God can give us the grace to love those that persecute us. But as a nation, you, you must have some people. You must, if you have enemies, you cannot help them in the way that what we are talking about here in, in the Bible, uh, what we're trying to help understand is you cannot love sin. Because what does sin do to people? Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Isn't that? So, can we be true Christians and help people destroy themselves with sin? No. To walk in love is the example here of Jesus Christ. How did Jesus walk in love? It says, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering 
and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Jesus was the one that paid the price for our sins. The, he is the example. It was Isaiah chapter 53 is, uh, I believe, being alluded to here by the Apostle Paul when it says, Thou shalt see the suffering of his soul and be what? Satisfied. God says, I am pleased. Now, uh, we have to understand, God was not standing there going, oh, I'm finally going to get to give it to Jesus. That's ridiculous. But as God, Jesus is the only being in the universe that could handle, could hold, could take or receive the wrath of God and not be destroyed by it. And so as Jesus took all of God's wrath for our sin and God was pleased in that, we, we have a commitment that we make when we say, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I am going to be his, his servant and not a servant of the world. I'm going to be a follower of God as a dear child. Uh, that means I'm going to have to put up with some things that are not comfortable. How many verses are in your Bible that talk about the suffering of the Christian? Read First and Second Peter. I mean, he's full of it. And Peter was a man who understood what suffering was. He, he was hounded most of his adult life as once he began serving Christ. It was Peter who was the first spokesman before the scribes and the Pharisees in the early chapters of the book of Acts. It was Peter who had to defend and prove to that Jewish church that God was willing to save the Gentiles. Uh, Peter knew what it was to be maligned. In fact, we get to Galatians chapter 2, Acts chapter 15, and we have the story of Paul rebuking Peter to his face. And we don't have a story of Peter rebuking Paul in return. That's because Peter was wrong. Peter got things right. And so, Peter is simply, uh, uh, Paul is, is reminding us here. He says, look, as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now, I believe that Paul is using what we call parallel uh, truths here. He's saying, be followers of God as dear children that specially loved and uh, easy to uh, care for child. And he says here that it is a sweet-smelling savor. You see, not everything we do for God smells sweet now, does it? Not everything we do for God turns out the way it ought to. In fact, the majority of our failures and sins as a true Christian ought to be in connection with our attempts to serve God. Uh, we, we need to be careful that we don't end up, and it's going to be addressed here later, as a Christian standing on the edge trying 
to stand in the world just a little bit and trying not to sin too much to get God upset, that kind of Christianity is foreign to the Scriptures. And Paul is uh, trying to help us understand here that we're to walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. This idea that God was that dear child, that God was that obedient one, that God did suffer and allow himself to uh, endure all of this contradiction of sinners against himself. And we get to verse 3, and now Paul starts really revving up. Uh, he says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness. Now, you notice the wording that is there. He says, but fornication and all uncleanness, then the word or is in there. Do you realize that when the word or is put in there, instead of and, it's put in there as a meaning this can be substituted for the other. Uh, You go to the restaurant and they said, would you like soup or salad? Oh, I would like both. Well, uh, that's an extra charge now, isn't it? Uh, And Paul is saying here, fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness. And, and of course, we're not going to, I don't believe we need to spend a big deal of time here, but uh, I would like to challenge you, the number one sin is selfishness. Uh, covetousness is selfishness. It's another word for it. It's another, and it's another word for pride. It's wanting what belongs to someone else. It's, uh, do we not live in a world where everybody, uh, I, I, I'm just amazed here. Uh, uh, I, I don't know any part of life that is no longer, uh, considered a right by some people, uh, our founders, when they founded this country, said the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, now you have uh, a right of receiving a free college education, if you listen to Bernie Sanders. Uh, Health care is a right, uh, even though the program will bankrupt the United States in less than three years, according to Elizabeth Warren's number, uh, it is something that we've got to do even if we destroy ourselves doing it. And I'd just like to challenge people who think that way. Uh, we've had some of the best health care in the history of the world right here in this country uh, before the politicians got involved. Uh, I don't believe that we need to choose between health care and self-destruction. Uh, and uh, we have the right of the animals. Don't forget that. I mean, uh, animals all have rights. and uh, They shouldn't be on leashes and egg-laying hens should be free-range and allowed to roam and lay their eggs wherever. And, and that makes them better. Uh, no, it just means the farmer's got to pick more bugs and other things off of them uh, uh, before he puts them in the carton. I'm... Oh, I'm just, everything is rights today. Do you know what? 
We don't have any rights in Jesus Christ. Well, we do have some. We have a right to approach the throne of grace. Uh, But God did not save us to enhance our personal existence. We, We need to be careful that we're not expending our life looking around us and comparing ourselves to other human beings and saying, why, why don't I have what, what they have? Why, don't, why doesn't God uh, give us what, uh, uh, what he's given other people? And uh, I would just challenge you, read the parables of Christ. I mean, the parable of the talents he gave unto every man severally according to his abilities. Uh, and there are many things that hinders God's blessings. I mean, what did Jesus say as he looked over the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday before he rode in? He said, how often would I gather thee as a hen doth her chicks? He said, but your house is left desolate because you wouldn't come to me to receive the blessings that I want to give you. This word covetous is one of the most terrible words in the Bible. Um, and yet, here it says, fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness. Uh, I want to challenge you, cannot violate God's laws of morality without being selfish. And that one of the reasons the level of selfishness has risen to the heights that it has and continues constantly going up is because of the gross immorality that is now legitimized, legalized, and even given its own set of rights. Uh, you, you cannot improve on the Scriptures. And here it tells us, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Now, it, it's amazing as we study history, we have lots of things that in recent uh, times that just illustrate this uh, so, so fully, uh, so much immorality, so much destruction of human lives. You can't even turn, tune in on the radio news broadcast and not hear an ad from a law company seeking litigants who want to sue churches and schools and other organizations for uh, acts that were perpetrated on them by people in in leadership. And and, uh, uh, yes, we're terrified. Someone once asked me, said, what do Baptists do when people do this? Well, we try to put them in jail no matter who they are. Uh, That's what we try to do. Uh, we, we work very diligently to keep people like that out of the organization of the church, out of leadership positions. That's uh, why we're very careful about membership and all of these things. Membership is not an inclusive thing. It's an exclusive thing. It is a privilege. It is one that we're supposed to earn, and that's what Paul is saying here. We're to be followers of God as dear children. We're to walk in love. Now that love, uh, true biblical love, is when we share the presence of God with another person. 
when we help them come into a relationship where they can enjoy the love of God. It says, let it not be once named among you as becometh the saints. Now, how does the church take care of that? Is is when any of these things happen in the life of a believer in, in a public way, we as a church have the responsibility and the duty to gather together as a church and exclude that one from the fellowship of the church until the problem is settled. And if they're not going to settle the problem, then they don't get back into the church. It's just simply uh, uh, the Bible way of dealing with things. And then it comes on here in verse 4. It says, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient. So we have two things here. We have covetousness which is the overriding turn of fornication and all uncleanness. And then we have unconvenient things. Uh, wasn't it Al Gore that made the uh, movie An Inconvenient Truth or something like that? Which, uh, which it really was because there wasn't a bit of truth in the whole movie. Uh, maybe there was some honesty in advertising there. I'm not quite sure. Uh, it certainly wasn't intended. I promise you that. But... We have a lot that happens, and the idea, the word here, convenient, means part of what we're doing. Part of the flow of walking in love. So, if we have to stop and take a break from walking in love to accomplish something, then chances are... It's going to come into the category of filthiness, foolish talking, or jesting. I mean, I'm I'm a man that loves to, uh, I, I love uh, dry humor. I love the uh, back and forth and talking of of uh, of uh, 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 comparing words and sometimes using them out of context on purpose and. And I am a boy from the country, so every once in a while I sneak an ain't in there on purpose uh, just to irritate my English teacher for many years. No. Uh, uh, But the point is, if what we are doing is not helping us walk in love or to be a follower of God as dear children, then we, we need to remove that from our lives. This is what Paul's talking about here. And uh, he says, but rather the giving of thanks. And uh, this is just something that I've been working on for a while. Uh, I just really always, when someone said, aren't you just proud of your uh, children or or proud of your church or something, I just, I, I just cringe because... We go back there and pride is selfishness and covetousness. That's, that's something that we do not want to. And, and I've even had preachers say, you know what I mean. And, and, uh, and I say, yeah, I do know what you mean. I just don't like the words. You know what the word God uses? God said, I am pleased. I am pleased. Thankful. 
for what you've done. You know, there's not a place. Do you think you could diffuse some anger? Uh, in fact, I think they teach this in certain schools of communication. Somebody comes up to you with, your, with a complaint, and the first thing you do is you go, Listen, I want to thank you for being your conscientious observance of all of these events. And I want to thank you for bringing this to my attention. And, and of course, it doesn't mean a thing when it's coming from the uh, 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 department manager at Target or whatever store. I'm not trying to pick on anything. Just the first one that came into mind here. But when we're in a situation that things could easily devolve into unconvenience, hindering our walking in love, if we were just to stop and start giving thanks to God, do you think that might just change your opinion of things, may change some other people's opinion, uh, might just redirect the conversation. You see, it says here, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks, which is always convenient. That giving of thanks is always going to put us in the right path, give us that little push. It says, For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. And so Paul is trying again. He's saying, listen, I want you to get a hold of this truth. You know that people who are living immoral against the word of God, people who are unclean, And then he puts in nor covetousness or an idolater, which is the same thing. He said, people that are living these lives. See, he's going to go on and say, but ye were sometimes. You see, you don't have to be perfect to serve the Lord. What you have to be is under the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Amen? And you cannot be characterized if someone uh, constantly uh, is living a life of total disobedience to the Word of God and talking about Jesus and how much they love God, uh, we, we have a word for that. It's called a liar. Uh, it's called someone who is just living in either deceiving themselves or thinking They're deceiving others. And that's not the way the Christian is to live. That's not walking in love. And we don't win the world by helping the world. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. We we have a new mentality that is out there where uh, there's no such thing as sin because God forgave all of our sins on the cross. That's not what the Bible says. It says he was the sacrifice 
for all those sins on the cross. It said he paid the price for all those sins on the cross. But if you're going to appropriate that payment to your account, you have to have something called faith. Amen? And faith always works obedience to the words of God. And so as Paul is trying to help us, he's saying, listen, uh, don't be deceived. Uh, everybody is out there, what's the Bible say? Doing that which was right in their own eyes. We're about to start the book of Judges. Oh, how I hate the book of Judges, really. I mean, the stories, they're so sad. And yet, all the way through the book of Judges, even the worst times, we can still see God's redeeming hand. Can we not? The story of Ruth happened during the time of the judges. And, and we have God's hands. And yet, we, we have this horrible time here in the history of Israel. And verse 8, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable Unto the Lord. You know, it says here that for ye were sometimes darkness. And this is hard for people who did not live in the world, did not uh, live horrible lives before they were saved. They say, well, what do you mean sometimes in darkness? I went to church every Sunday. Uh, do you realize that it is unsaved people who are living the quote-unquote Christian life are often the greatest barrier for other unsaved people to come to Christ? Because on Sunday, they're all bright and shiny, and on Monday... There's a reason why confession in the Catholic Church is on Saturday night. Uh, because uh, you've been doing other things all week. And I think it was Gandhi who actually said, I would be a Christian if it were not for Christians. Uh, and again, that's an excuse. But it says, ye were sometime darkness. I mean, there was there was a time when the light was not coming from you because you did not have the light of life living in you. And there are uh, uh, many hindrances to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the sight. And the closer you get to the truth without embracing it, the more of the truth you block out by the darkness that is in your soul. That's why it's really hard for religious people to get saved. Hey, well, I'm I'm in church. I'm a good person. I'm not like that person. I'm not I saw what you did the other day. I mean, this is right where they are. It says, "But now ye are light." Uh, now it says, "Are ye light in the Lord?" In the sermon on the mount, Matthew 5:14, just as Jesus finished those beatitudes, he says, "Ye are the light of the world. 
A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men. Uh, we are here to bring the light of the gospel to the world in which we live. And he says, we're to walk as children of light. We're to walk in love. We're to walk as children of light. We get down to verse 15, which we're not going to uh, uh, get to tonight, I don't think. We're supposed to walk circumspectly, meaning we're supposed to know where we're going. We're supposed to be paying attention to the direct general direction of our life. But he makes a simple statement here. Now, in the book of Galatians, when he wrote to the Galatians, he did a huge uh, list there after the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, let's just take a moment and turn there very quickly. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Now, back to the book of Ephesians. It says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Well, that is completely in agreement with what Paul said in the book of Galatians, is it not? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what we need to be looking for. That's what we need to ask God to work in our lives. And he goes on and says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Now, we have a group of people um, who are studying, quote-unquote, the sins of the world so they can understand what's out there. Uh, I want to challenge you, that's not the job of the Christian. Uh, our job is to study goodness, righteousness, and truth. If we'll study those three things, then when we have other behavior, then uh, we, we can... Uh, properly identify that, uh, it's very difficult to live in this world. We have people who want to be, quote-unquote, well, listen, I, I'm a homosexual Christian. I want to join the fellowship of your church. Uh, and it is very hard to, to simply say, listen, the Bible teaches no such thing. Uh, Christian rock and roll. The Bible teaches no such thing. We are not to have fellowship with the fruits, with the works, um, with the unfruitful works of the wicked. We are to reprove them. And by the way, we, we need to understand something. Uh, we had a little ongoing thing with an individual who called the church uh, probably six or eight times over a period of several weeks trying to explain to us that it was an unholy thing to exclude homosexual people from the fellowship and membership of the church. 
and uh, tried to help them understand that, listen, that's, you think that is the issue, but I, I want you to understand there's a hundred other things that, that you're doing that put you out of fellowship of the church before we even get there. Uh, there's, uh, that is not the only sin in the world. I mean, you cannot be a faithful member of this church in good standing if we know about it and smoke cigarettes. Oh, that's not... Well, actually, now that's the greatest of all. I mean, you can get an R rating on a movie for blowing smoke in someone's face. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's the world in which we live. We're supposed to not have... Uh, Fellowship with unfruitful works, but we're to reprove them. And here's how we do it. And this is what the Bible is very careful. Verse 12 here says, it's a shame even to speak of those things. Now, if it's a shame, then we need to be very careful. We try to be careful here at the church. I try to be careful as your pastor in addressing things. We often have small children in the services and we... We don't want to expose them to the details and all of these things that are in the world uh, around us. But verse 13, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Then we reach into verse 15. See, then ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. You see, light makes things plain. How many of you have ever been working on something and you just couldn't see very well, and once you got a light and was able to shine in there, all of a sudden, oh, I see the problem. Uh, you know, that's why we went to these LED bulbs after quite a while. Uh, these were the first ones that we could get that were 60 watts and had enough lumens to make your Bible pages manifest. Uh, you go into an old church auditorium and uh, apparently they had uh, either much better sight or much larger print Bibles in the old days than we do today uh, because there's not very much light in some of those older auditoriums. And uh, what, what we're simply saying here is the Bible, Paul is saying, listen, if you put it under the light, it's going to become plain. And that's our job. We are to live Christian life. I like the way my brother, now brother-in-law, he wasn't then, he said, I just like this. He says, your family is little house on the prairie. And uh, what he meant by that was they're not like city kids doing adult things as little children. Listen, that's that's what we want here. We want to give enough light that people can see what is true and what isn't true. I mean, we have this 
uh, mentality out there that your children will raise themselves and, and it's the parent's job just to uh, make a safe environment for them to explore this whole world and understand everything on their own. Well, the Bible's very clear that doesn't work. And uh, if you take one look at Congress, you know that doesn't work. Uh, if you take one look around you, it does not work anywhere. But if we'll follow what the Bible says, you see, if we're going to be those followers of God as dear children, we're going to have to walk in love. Now, how do we walk in love? By not allowing fornication or all uncleanness or covetousness, whichever term you want to use, to be once named as the Christians, to get rid of filthiness and foolish jesting. Foolish talking and jesting, which isn't going to help us continue uh, in our service for the Lord, for understanding that uncleanness and whoremongers are not going to make it into heaven. They have no right to the kingdom of heaven. We're not to uh, uh, be partakers with them. We're not to fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We are to reprove them. And... Now we've laid the foundation for what walking circumspectly actually is. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We thank you for your word and your goodness to us. We ask now that you would work in our hearts and lives, that you would encourage us from this passage, that you would help us to understand that uh, the cross wasn't pleasant, neither is reproving the unfruitful works of this world. As Jesus gave himself, let us give ourselves to be that light that will bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you to work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll have the piano playing.